Jesus House in pursuit of God, discovering purpose, maximizing potential, impacting lives. This message is being brought to you from Jesus House London. God bless you. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for what it always does. Thank you because it illuminates our path. It breaks yokes and lifts burdens. It challenges us, Heavenly Father. It, it washes us clean, O oh God. It does all these things and more, Heavenly Father. Let that be our testimony today in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Amen. Praise God. So for the last three months or so, I've been burying my father, <laughs> believe it or not. And so has my wife, um, my sister, Chizo, her husband, Bajo, um, my other sister, Ola, and my other sister, Chioma. I mean, we've just, we've been, we've been involved in this, burying this man. It, it was arguably the, one of the most challenging things I've done in my life because of the extent of it. Um, ten events across three countries, um, thousands of people, a lot of traveling by road, um, and dealing with different communities, with their different um, character. Yeah. Um, from the most sophisticated to the not so sophisticated, um, and, and interfacing with culture and tradition, which, which I love, um, apart from when it crosses Jesus. Um, and then, of course, that's not going to happen. We're not going to get involved. So it's been that kind of thing. But the interesting thing is that I learned a lot of life lessons on this journey. Some of them I already knew, and the, but these life lessons were reinforced um, as we walked this journey. Um, and so I wanted to share with you five life lessons I learned um, as I buried my father. Um, are you ready for that? Yeah. I, I think some of them, you, most of them you already know, but it just might be a reminder. Some of them were, can I have my phone, please? Some of them were brought home um, to us in this, in this season. So let's share five life lessons um, that brought home things I knew, highlighted things um, that I might have, might have slipped down somewhere. Number one, life lesson, prayer works. Can someone say amen to that? Amen. Prayer works. Um, we prayed. You prayed along with us. A um, hundred of you every morning joined us at 7 a.m. to pray. Prayer really works. And I just wanted to encourage someone that prayer works. It's not an exercise in futility. It's not just a religious ritual. We actually serve a God who answers our prayers. It's the medium that God has established for us to invite his intervention into our affairs. In prayer, we are in partnership with God. One of my favorite scriptures, Jeremiah 33 verse 3. God says, call unto me. And he promises, I will answer and I will show you great and mighty things which you did not know. He will do his part. He's God. He's not a man that he should lie He's not the son of man that he should change his mind. If God says, I will answer, 
How many know God will answer? So the question is, are you calling? Because if you're calling, then God gives a guarantee that he will answer. And if there are certain things out of prayer that were really brought to the fore in this period as we prayed, and a lot of you prayed along with us, and thank you for that. It was maybe three things I wanted to say around prayer. Number one, consistency. You see, the natural tendency is to have one great vigil. Seven hours I prayed. And then for the next four weeks, we are barely in the place of prayer. I think that the rewards come from consistency. Build a consistent prayer life. It might not be hours. It might be 10 minutes, 20 minutes. But be consistent in the 10 or 20 or 30 minutes. If you have an appointment with God, show up at the appointment with God. It might seem like nothing is happening, but believe me, if we believe the Bible, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man always avails much. Something is always happening. So I wanted to encourage someone, be consistent. The second thing I wanted to encourage is to pray a lot in the Spirit. Like Paul, we want to be able to say, I pray in my understanding, I pray in the Spirit. But there are so many things in life that we just don't know how to pray. We don't even know what we should pray for as we ought. The beauty of that, our prayer language, is that we can pray perfectly the mind of God, specifically the mind of God, without understanding that we are doing that. So take advantage to pray in the Spirit. Don't waste time. The, the, the journey to work is a wonderful prayer time. The walk to the, to, the, to, the, to the local corner shop is a wonderful 10 minutes of prayer. And those 10 minutes of prayer might be what makes the difference. So let's encourage ourselves to pray in the Spirit a lot. The third thing with regards to prayer is the blessings of a praying community. You know, we were blessed by the number of people who came alongside us in prayer, by the number of people who, where we could share our burden and they joined us in prayer. We started an early morning prayer meeting. Didn't really advertise it. Uh, 20 minutes from 7 to 7.20. I reckon maybe 20 odd people will join us. A hundred and something people showed up and regularly at least 100 people for a whole month. That's the blessing of a community that prays. If you're in this church, by God's grace, this is a praying church. Take advantage of the blessings of the community that prays. There's so much you can carry on your own, but there's something that comes that happens when we come together in prayer. And there's ample opportunity for you to join others to pray. Pray in the mornings at our time to pray. Pray on Tuesdays when we're praying in seven, for seven different things and we're encouraging you to join one of those praying communities for at least a term, at least three months. You get to know people. You pray with them. If you have a burden for young people, if you have a burden for, for women or for men, if you have a burden for the church, if you, just, just find out what happens on Tuesday. If you're in Jesus' house, genuinely, and you are committed to this church, you must be in a prayer group that's praying on Tuesday. And the beauty is that you can do it from your home. And then the prayer groups come together 
in a physical fellowship in church at least twice in the term so you can meet the people you have been praying with. Take advantage of all the praying that goes on in a, in a praying community. So the first thing that was driven home to me is, that is something that's foundational to my life. Prayer works. I want to say to someone, don't get tired of praying. I want to say to someone, you might have been at it for a long time, but don't be the one who just before God moves, you give up on praying. As Jesus encouraged his disciples, I encourage you, let's always pray and not faint. Can someone say amen? The second thing is to locate God's agenda in everything that you do. This is the one way that you can guarantee God's involvement in anything you are doing. You know, um, Hannah desperately wanted a child. Desperately. And she must have wanted a child for the reason, reason, reasons that uh, not any other woman would want a child. Just want to carry my own baby, want to take him to school or take her to school, want to watch her grow, want to you know, feed her, you know, just all kinds of reasons. Um, sometimes in some cultural context, I want to answer those nasty in-laws and, and, you know, whatever else it is. There are many, many reasons people want children. But Hannah understood how it works. In 1 Samuel verse, chapter 1, verse 10 and 11, this is Hannah. She was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. She was desperate for God to answer this prayer. Then she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall come upon his head. She understood spiritual transactions. She didn't go there and say oh, all the many reasons I've told you. She said, God, between you and I, if you give me this son, I will give him back to you. You, will, you can use him. And how was Hannah to know that God at that point in time was looking for who was going to be the next prophet? Because Hophni and Phinehas were living, but they were dead. God had pronounced a death sentence over them. And there was going to be a gap. How was she to know? But as she went to God in this spiritual transaction, what was she saying to God? It's not just about me, God. It's about you, it's about your agenda. It's about your kingdom. I want the child, but this child is a kingdom child. This is a kingdom issue. So when, when we started, the second day after my father died, I was praying. And the Lord laid two scriptures on my heart. And I thought, what do these scriptures mean? Luke 9, verse 60, but I read verse 59 just to put it in context. Then he said to another, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. So God laid that scripture on my heart. And then 1 Corinthians 16 verse 9. There's a wide open door to a great work that here, although many oppose me. Yeah, an effectual door that's open, but there are many adversaries. And initially, for a couple of days, I wasn't sure what the scriptures meant. But of course, we continued praying. And then the clarity came to me very, in a very startling way. God basically was saying to me, and I said it to my siblings, and they all embraced it, and as their spouses. God was saying, this thing is not about the burial of a man. 
That's why it was let the dead bury the dead. What God was saying is you're not dead. You are alive in Christ. So don't bury your father like a dead man who's not in Christ. He said to me, this thing is an amazing opportunity for ministry. In the many events, you're going to have people who would not sit down in a church. And you're going to get a wonderful opportunity to preach the gospel, not in a religious way, but in a kingdom way. In the things that you're going to do in the village, you know, we had outreaches to widows, we had outreaches to orphans. Some of those things were, were they, just, they just broke your heart. To see some of those orphans who'd never had the kind of trainers we gave them. We gave them oh, brand new trainers, amongst other things. When we put on the trainers on, one, some, of, on some of these orphans, they took it off immediately. One put it on his head, one hung it on his, on his chest. They could not bear to wear it. Because they'd never seen a thing like that before. The outreach to the widows was, was unbelievable. As Shola was saying, when they would come and collect the monetary gift we gave them and the different gifts we gave them, they would break out in shouts of, of praise the Lord or thank you, Jesus. So the Lord said to me, that's what this thing is about. It's about outreach. It's about evangelism. It's about winning souls. Is about glorifying my, me. Is about lifting the name of Jesus. And the moment we aligned with that, <laughs> God was in a hurry. He went so far ahead of us in preparing and making sure because we had aligned with him. There were some amazing testimonies we heard of people who came to the faith. And I want to read one to you. Now, this one is from someone who is very, well, very, very well known in Nigeria. And I won't say his name because quite a number of people who know of Nigeria or are Nigerian know him. He says, congratulations, Agu. You have exemplified true leadership and the qualities of a genuine opera, opera in Igbo language is first son. Your late father, a beloved Deogbo, must, must be looking down on you with immense pride and satisfaction. I must admit I was deeply moved by the impact your father's passing had on me as well as a few others. And he named somebody, General, somebody. Informed me shortly after Deogbo's departure that your father had recently experienced a spiritual transformation and surrendered his life to Christ. This news overwhelmed me with joy and, and curiosity considering his well-known reliance on intellectual and scientific approaches to matters of faith. However, it was during your eulogy at the tribute evening event in Lagos that I personally experienced the grace of God through your preaching. You shared how you managed to lead our, our dear Deogbo to embrace the Lord using the 1% insurance premium Holy Spirit-led strategy. I, I mean, that's his own definition of what I said. But listen to this. In that moment, I humbly bowed my head at table 28 and rededicated my sinful life to the authority of the Holy Spirit, putting an end to my backsliding. I pray that I may continue to grow stronger in my faith, no longer wandering in sin. I humbly ask for your continued prayers and support for me and my family. I've witnessed firsthand the power of God's answer to prayers and I'm eternally grateful. I'm a wretched sinner whose soul has been saved by the passing of Deogbo. Isn't that amazing? 
And this, this person is what Dr. Nuzo calls a strategic conversion because this person is very well known, very prominent, very, very influential. And I could tell you more stories. Um, we had a, one of the 10 events was an insurance uh, event. He, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a pioneer of the insurance industry. So Shola and I went there. And then there was this lady in her 80s, quite um, uh, opinionated. They gave her the microphone and she told all the insurance people off and told them that they are not like the old people. I mean, she's now 80, so she just says what she wants. I was even slightly afraid of her, and she sat behind me. But when she came, when Shola and I got there, she said to us that, you know, I don't do church. This born-again thing, I don't do it. I thought I'm in trouble today. She said, but when you were speaking, that thing you said... Because I'm an insurance person, the way you put it, she said, I bowed my head and I received Jesus into my life. And we could go on and on. But what I, what I wanted to say is locate God in your agenda. Don't just want it for yourself. What does it do for the kingdom? How is the kingdom advanced by it? Where is God's agenda in it? When you do those things, believe me, God comes into the circumstances and does exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask or think. And you know, God pays for whatever he orders. God is not the kind of person who orders something and doesn't pay for it. No, no, no. If he orders something, he pays for it. So get God in. Number three, the unity of every community is its strength. We are a very closely knit family. We are, as, as most of you know, me, my siblings. If anything tested how closely knit we are, this bearing my father tested it. There were times I thought this whole thing is going to fall apart. Thank God for Jesus' wisdom and calm. Because there were times that I wasn't so calm. And my other siblings are not that calm. But we all knew that the enemy is trying hard to break the unity. Whether it's a church, whether it's a social organization, a family, the enemy understands, a nation, that once he can bring disunity, he just has to fold his hands and watch it unravel. He understands because it's a principle that God himself enunciated in the early start the early, early chapters of the Bible. You know the story. The people gathered to, to build a tower. The Bible says, they said to themselves, Genesis 11 verse 4, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we, because it was all about themselves. So remember what I said? 
Let's, what's God's agenda in it? But this one, they said, let's do it for ourselves. Let's build a city. Let's build a tower for ourselves. Let's make a name for ourselves. The Bible says in the next verse, God came down to see. <laughs> you know, it's not that he couldn't see from heaven. But he just thought, I can't believe these guys. They want to do this for themselves? He said, let me go, on. Let me go myself and see what these guys are doing. So he arrives there. And he says, indeed, the people are one, and they all have one language, and this is what they begin to do now. Now, nothing they propose to do will be withheld from them. That's the power of unity. God said, these people are one. They have one language. Anything they want to do, they are going to do because of the power that is inherent in unity. And so what did God do? Verse 7. He says, come, let's go down. And confuse their language so that they don't understand each other. Now, as I read this, the Lord gave me a revelation in my heart. He said the people were one people and they spoke one language. And God said, let's confuse their language, confound their language, one translation says, so that they cannot be united. So what is it that brings disunity in any group? Any family, any, 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 any gathering together, any church, is when people don't speak the same language. Now, but somebody might say, but we all speak the same language. We all speak English. But what the Lord said to me is that it's not, your language is not what you say alone. It is where what you say is coming from. So when I listen to you, I hear what you say, but I also must understand where what you say is coming from so that I can respond appropriately. So sometimes, frankly, all the time, I say something, but you've got to learn to hear me twice. Because I'm saying the words, but those words are coming from somewhere. If I understand where those words are coming from, I can respond appropriately, accommodate what you're saying. Understand that it's not what you said, but it is what, where it is coming from that has led you to say what you're saying. Am I making some sense? Yeah. So sometimes people say hurtful things. And we react to the hurtful thing without understanding that they are saying the hurtful thing because they are hurting themselves as a result of something that has happened to them. If we understand that language, then we can respond appropriately. Does this make some sense? So if we extend that grace to each other, you find that we shut the enemy out because I'm really giving you a, a chance. I'm trying to understand why you said what you said spoke in the way that you spoke. And when I understand, it makes it easier for me to extend the grace of forgiveness to you because I know that you don't mean what you said, but circumstances have made you say what you said and you haven't dealt with those circumstances. The enemy understands what Jesus said to us in Matthew 12, verse 25. Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. And every city or house divided against itself will not stand. And Kofu, you know, you can tell Tola Kofu that he, Tola, Pastor Tola, her husband, was one of my key advisors. 
you know, in this, in this area, you just said to me, Ruku, this is, this is what's going to happen. This is what is happening. As, we, as I wrestled in that area to make sure that the unity did not collapse. Number four, fourth lesson I learned. Don't limit God. <laughs> Even the best of us do it naturally. Because that's how we are. Even those of us who, pro- who profess to have big faith in God, we limit God. It's a natural thing that we do. Because somehow our natural mind comes in. And so we put boundaries on God. Shola is reading a book called The Circle Maker, which Tayo gave her, which has been such a blessing to her. I haven't read the book, but by proxy. As she talks about the book, I'm reading the book with her. And one of the things that she's been talking about that really struck me is how we don't pray big prayers anymore. Our prayers, we've, we've reduced God to a God that we can manage. We've reduced God to a God, a 21st century God that is slightly better than iPads and Apple and, and iPhones and all. You know, we've, we've brought him down to manage him. So that our senses can comprehend. We've forgotten that our senses should never comprehend God. The moment we can comprehend God with our senses, He's not the God of the Bible. It's our spirits that can, can, can have a measure of an understanding of God. And so I learned on this journey that not to limit God. I mean, God showed up in some ways that, that, that don't make sense to us. And he showed up from the most unexpected quarters. Quarters we were not even looking at. And so I want to say to someone, believe God again for big things. And it's not ours to tell him how to do it. It's ours to believe and leave him to figure out how he's going to do it. He already knows. So can someone open up their hearts and believe again? Some people don't believe because... They've been disappointed once, disappointed twice. There are expectations they would think have been cut off. Can I say God wants to heal someone and say, believe me, trust in me. As he says in Jeremiah 32 verse 27, I'm the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is anything too hard for me? The Bible is a book of people who prayed for big things. It's a book of God answering their big prayers. It's a book of people who believed God for big things. And it's a book of people who received big things. The angel went to Mary and told her, Luke 1 verse 31, you're going to conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and you will call his name Jesus. That is a crazy thing. Think about it. Don't think about it as a religious thing. But just think about it. Especially ladies. You're not yet married. You're dating someone and some, something in white comes to your room and tells you you're going to get pregnant. And you say, no, no, no. We're we are not doing that. We go to Jesus' house. We're not sleeping with each other. Amen, amen to that. Why are you laughing at yourself? And anyway, this happens. And, 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 and the, 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 I mean, naturally, the lady says, but 
Verse 34, how can this be since I don't know a man? And you know, that's where most of us are. How can this be? It, it, it doesn't add up. How can it be, God, this is my salary? Why are you telling me about this thing that you want me to get? How can it be? This is what I earn. God, do the maths, God. How can it be that I can have a child at this age? My reproductive system has shut down. How can it be? How can it be that this thing I have desired for so long, you're now telling me it's time. How can it be? And we ask that question all the time, and there's a full stop there. How can it be? But the angel answered her. And the angel told her how it can be. The angel, what the angel was saying in effect in verse 35 is that naturally it can't be. But the Holy Spirit is involved. He will come upon you. The power of, of the highest will overshadow you. And that one that's going to be born will be called the Son of God. Say, so how can it be? The angel said, it, it, naturally it can't be. Is there someone who is ready to believe God for some supernatural things? Naturally it can't be. How are we going to get revival in this land? Naturally it can't be. But I dare to believe that the Holy Spirit can get, in, get involved. The power of the Most High can overshadow this land. And we can see this church is full of people worshipping God again. How can it be? And then as if to drive home the point, the angel says to her, it's impossible naturally. But with God, nothing shall be impossible. If God says it, and then Mary's response is what I pray will be our response. Don't forget, her mind had told her it can't happen. She had voiced the truth, the fact that it can't happen. But the angel had told her how it would happen. It can't happen naturally, but spiritually. If God gets involved, God can do anything he likes. Can I say to someone, God can do anything he likes. And then Mary said, verse 38, Behold the maidservant of the Lord. <laughs> Let it be to me according to your word. May God help us so that we have a revelation of his word. So that we are saying in every circumstance, this doesn't line up naturally, but let it be to me according to this word. Let it be to me according to your word. If you have said it, God, in your word, then I believe it, I receive it, and with expectation, I await a manifestation. Can someone say amen? And then the last lesson. There were quite a few lessons. I just chose five. The lesson of numbering your days. As we celebrated my father's life, I had all kinds of surreal experiences. My mind would flash back to things we did as a family. Trips we made to the village. Places we ate in London. We ate, we ate a lot as a family. I mean, eating was a big thing for us. Still is. 
for us. Um, food is major in my life, as you figured out. Yeah, yeah, because I believe it's biblical, very biblical. I fast when I have to, but food is very biblical. You know, the covenants are, are cut over meals. You know, relationships are uh, embellished over meals. Um, you hear things from your children that you won't hear normally over meals. When they are eating, they forget themselves and they say what they're not supposed to say. So I love mealtimes. We, we, we do that a lot. Every major event in our family is celebrated with a meal. We, 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 it's all, all our major events are celebrated with meals. Because you know, once people are relaxed, they say all kinds of things. When the food is good, they, they say even more than they should say. And it's very difficult to stab somebody you've been eating with. So meals are good. So I remembered all those things. And what struck me was that it only seemed like yesterday. And it was over. Here was this man in a casket. And if I, if I wasn't sure he died in July, it was clear to me he was dead now. We were putting, him in the, putting his body in the ground. And I came out of that experience, my wife will tell you, with a renewed zeal to make my days count and to enjoy every single minute of it. Because it's over for my father. It's over. If he spent the time fighting my mother, poor him, because he's not getting that time back. So I... I'm telling Shola, I, cannot, I will not be fighting you. No, 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 I won't be fighting you. I cannot waste this valuable time fighting. Because once it's gone, it's gone. And so I, I understood what the psalmist says in Psalms 90 verse 12. I love the Passion Translation. Help us to remember that our days are numbered and help us to interpret our lives correctly. Set your wisdom deeply in our hearts so that we may accept your correction. Help us to interpret our lives correctly. So I've come out of this experience more intentional about life, more purposeful about life, more focused about life. Determined that this life will count. I kind of wish that I had a few, God could take me back 20, 30 years, but it's okay. This is what it is. I'm where I am. All I can do is make sure that the future counts deeply. So the things that matter, do them. The people you love, let them know. Spend time with them. The things you enjoy, do. Since we came back, shall I tell you, every evening, well, no, three or four evenings, I've, I've gone out. Part of my therapy is I enjoy eating out. I don't want anybody with me. I mean, Shala doesn't enjoy eating out. So she goes because after a while, it's just so bad that this man is going alone, alone, alone. So she goes now and again. But I enjoy eating out. It's my therapy. So I choose the restaurant. I walk around the area. And I sit in a restaurant. And I just eat a nice meal. And I just, I just spend my time with myself. Because I know that the time is coming when I will not be able to do that again. So the things that matter, time spent with Shola, we've now started intentionally spending more time just talking. 
learning to say no. Because the Bible puts it this way in Ephesians 5, verse 15 to 17. So be careful, the Passion Translation, how you live. Not being like those with no understanding, but live honorably with true wisdom, for we are living in evil times. The King James Version would say, see that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as the wise, because the days are evil. So there's a sense in which I'm so determined to walk circumspectly now, intentionally. Doing things because they count and they matter. Understanding that time is limited. Understanding what God's plan and purpose is for our lives and, and doing all we can to fulfill it. Learning to number our days. And it takes some intentionality. Because if you allow it, the times will just gobble up all your time. So it takes someone sitting down and saying, you know what? I want to make this life count. I want to fulfill God's plans for my, and purposes for my life. I want to do what God would have me do for my generation. How am I going to do that? My downtime has to count. I want to spend time with those who appreciate me and love me and enjoy that time with them. Because the time is going to come when that's not going to be possible. Because it would be over. Teach us to number our days. And then wanted to end on this note. I'll finish with the five, but wanted to end on this note. The blessing of a church family. Wanted to thank you all. Those of you here in the hub online. Because in this journey, and I'm sure I'm speaking for um, my wife Shola, Pastor Bajo, Pastor Chizo, Ola, uh, in this church. We experience the blessing of a church family. The number of people who came alongside, the number of people who prayed, the number of words of encouragement that we got. I think part of it is also because I always share my life from the pulpit. Someone said to me, you, you share so much of your life from the pulpit. The person said, the enemy will know when you share. I said, the enemy will know. I said, what kind of Christianity is this person? The enemy needs to come to Jesus' house service to know. He's a spirit. He knows. He, when I tell Shola in the room, he knows. People's Christianity, uh, Apostle Yemi, is very interesting Christianity people have. They say, shh, don't say. So the enemy doesn't know. I say, Somebody was, someone was pregnant. They say, I'm not telling people so that the enemy doesn't know. I say, look at you. That night, both of you were doing um, pampo, 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 whatever you were doing. The enemy was there watching, watching both of you. Conception, the enemy knew. You better tell people so that when you tell them, one third will laugh, one third will not do anything, but one third will join you in prayer. So thank you for being the one third that joined us in prayer. Thank you. Thank you for the gifts. Thank you for the words of encouragement. Thank you for the text messages all the way. Thank you, Moenike, for those wonderful text messages. Thank you. Thank you for being there for us. Uh, because of this church family and the support of this church family, we fulfilled God's assignment. Christ was lifted up. Souls came to the kingdom. Light shone into darkness. And along the way, we buried our father. Amen and amen. Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you. Lord, we bless you.
if there's anyone who hasn't accepted Jesus into their life as Lord and Savior, I can't describe to you what you're missing. Experience it for yourself. Whether you're in person here, you're at the hub in Greenwich, or you're online. We can share these testimonies because in the boat of our lives, we have Jesus there. This is a chance for you to invite him into the boat of your life. With all heads bowed, if there's anyone here who's saying, I want, I want to establish this relationship, slip your hand up if you're in person here in the hub, slip your hand up online if you can indicate to the hosts you want to receive Jesus into your life as your Lord and Savior. Father, we thank you. Slip the hand up high. Come on, slip it high. I see that hand. Young lady, I see that hand. God bless you. Slip it high. Anybody else, you want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Come on, slip it high. It's just, just showing God that you want to receive Jesus. Father, we thank you. Lord, we bless you. We give you all the praise and glory. If you've got your hand up, I see that hand as well. Maybe in the hub you've got your hand up. Online you've indicated you want to give your life to Jesus. How do you do that? By simply inviting him in to your life. You say this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, just like that letter I read to you. I receive your son Jesus as my Lord and Savior today. I promise to turn away from anything I'm doing that hasn't pleased you. Give me the grace, Heavenly Father, to live a life that is pleasing to you. By this prayer, I declare that I am now a child of yours. Thank you for receiving me into your family. In Jesus' name, and all together we say, Amen. 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 If you said that prayer, if you're in, if you, if you put up your hand here, if you can come up after the service, I'd like to have a chat with you. Uh, if you're in the hub, uh, pastors Joseph and Kenny will be waiting to have a chat with you online. If you can indicate, um, the hosts and hostesses will have a chat with you. I just encourage you on, on this journey. And I wanted to end by saying a special thank you to a group of people. Um, many of them um, had an experience, a journey like that, and they went with us to our ancestral home. home. Um, our ancestral home is nowhere near Lagos in Nigeria. And it's not a city. It's a village. Um, and they went with us and were there with us for three days. They were rising, most of them, some, some of them were rising at 4.30 a.m. to join me in prayer at 5 a.m. every single day. Um, they, were, they were unbelievable, all those who went there with us. They stood with us. Um, it, was, it was very different for some of them. They'd never been, uh, some of them had never traveled um, outside the environs of Lagos or some, some parts of the west of Nigeria. And to agree to go with us to the east of Nigeria with all the stories that that were circulating. Um, I just want you guys to know, Soari, I see you. I want you guys to know that that touched our hearts. Lekon, that touched our hearts. 
and I want to say thank you. Thank you to all of you. I hope you had a wonderful time in ITEM, um, and I hope ITEM uh, was a bit not like what you thought it might be like. God bless you. Thank you.